0: is the God of the universe. God is the God of everybody. And that is what John was referring to when he said that the one that does not love does not know God. But the confidence that you must have in the word of God from within, that deep assurance, the heaven is a state of happiness which comes as a result of living a useful life. The heavenly pursuit is usefulness. The heavenly pursuit is love. In the wisdom of God, it is universal. It is universal because it does not belong to a certain set. Thank God for the opportunity that He has given to us. I want to share something with us that I've been meaning to share. for well, while. it was actually supposed to be one of the messages of the previous special program. In the last two, I wanted to share this as part of it, but time did not permit us to do so and this morning i feel led by the lord to share it with us amen and i pray that it will help us in our walk, and to give us more clarity and help us to appreciate what it is that the lord is doing in us And also in others, hallelujah. John chapter one, verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip
1: and saith unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter.
0: Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Now, before I continue, let me elaborate a bit. So Jesus is in the process of gathering his disciples. Amen. And the disciples, remember, are supposed to represent the church. So all the disciples of the Lord represent the church in its complex form. Okay. And then also all the disciples put together represent one disciple in the Lord. In other words, the various things that each disciple represented represents the various things of the Lord in a person who is the Lord's disciple. You understand that? So it means that if you are a disciple of the Lord, 12 things must be in you. Yeah, that's what it actually means. And these 12 things represent the 12 disciples of the Lord. So Jesus before had encountered Peter and Andrew. Okay? Now he goes on to encounter Philip. Now, after Philip, he encounters Nathanael. But Jesus' encounter with Nathanael is as a result of his encounter with Philip. In other words, it was Philip who went to bring Nathanael. Hallelujah. So Philip goes and tells Nathanael that we have found the one that Moses and the prophets prophesied about jesus of nazareth the son of joseph so then the popular statement that every christian knows can anything good come out of nazareth so it was Nathaniel who made this statement amen yeah so after he asked this question philip now tells him that he should come and see hallelujah So Philip had an encounter with Jesus, and then he went on to bring Nathanael to also come and encounter Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now let's continue. 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no God an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Remember, this Nathaniel had not met Jesus. Do you understand that? But as he was coming, Jesus saw him, and this was Jesus' testimony of Nathaniel. He called Nathaniel an Israelite indeed. Amen. So two things, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Now, the word guile there is deceit. Okay, deceit. Like the scripture says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, who shall stand in his holy place, he that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Now, there's something important there that we'll take note of. And so an Israelite in good and one in whom is no guile. There is no guile In his mouth, there is no guile in him. An Israelite, indeed, and in whom is no guile. Now, if Jesus speaks and calls one an Israelite, then you must know that it is not our kind of Israelite. So if a normal human being says you are an Israelite, it means that of natural descent, you are from Abraham. You get the idea. So normally, an Israelite by natural people is... Those that are born Jews. Amen. But when Jesus called Nathanael an Israelite, he was calling him a spiritual Israelite. One who is an Israelite in the spirit. Hallelujah. One who is an Israelite in the spirit. And that's Jesus' testimony of Nathanael. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in order to explain, well, I said that one who is an Israelite in spirit is the one in whom there is no deceit. Is the one in whom there is no deceit. Now, deceit has to do with falsehood, right? Falsehood, telling that which is false. But it is not just telling that which is false, because it's not just that you have said something that is untrue, but there is an intent behind you're telling that which is false. So, if you mean to deceive somebody, yeah, you tell that which is false with the intent of leading the person astray. Is that okay? Yeah. Now, spiritually speaking, it is similar. If there is deceit in someone, that means that the person is sticking to that which is false because of an evil intent. The person is sticking to that which is false because of an evil intent. Now, if the person is sticking to that which is false because of an evil intent, then it means that there is the presence of truth with that person. So we are introducing another thing. When we talk of deceit, the person is sticking to that which is false and is propagating that which is false because of an evil intent. Is that okay? Now, the person is sticking to that which is false and propagating that which is false as against that which is true. So in the presence of truth, the person holds on to that which is false and sticks to that which is false and there is a reason for it. Now, it helps us to understand our own selves, right? That in many cases, when we feel like sticking to that which is false and sticking to that which is untrue and we find ourselves attached to it, the reason is not that we have been told a lie. The reason is that in our hearts, there is an evil intent that makes us willing to stick to that which is false in the presence of that which is true. Do you understand that? Now, I'm showing you this because of what follows. So, one in whom is no guile means that this person is not sticking to that which is false. And the reason why he's not sticking to that which is false is that he has rejected the evil intent of his heart in order for deceit not to be in the mouth of a person. The person must reject that which is false. And the reason why he can reject that which is false is that he has rejected the evil intent that is of the heart. And it is this person that Jesus calls an Israelite indeed. So an Israelite indeed then is the one that sticks to that which is true because of the goodness that is in the heart. Do you see the one in whom there is deceit is the one that is sticking to that which is false because of the evil desire, because of the evil intent of the heart. The heart is set on evil, and because of that, in the presence of truth, the person is still willing to stick to that which is what? False. Now, that is the one in whom there is deceit. You understand Now, the Bible explains this in the New Testament where he says that we should not just be hearers of the words only, deceiving ourselves. So the one in whom there is deceit is not just the one that is deceiving others, but it is the one that is deceiving himself. And that is what James was referring to, that we should not just be hearers only. If you are hearers only of the truth, then it means that even in the presence of the truth that you have heard, you are sticking to that which is false because of your evil intent. Do you understand that? But he says that we should be doers of the word. The one that is a hearer only deceives himself. And that is the one in whom there is God. He sticks to that which is false because of the evil intent in the presence of that which is true. Now the opposite is the Jew or the opposite is the Israelite. The one that sticks to what is true because of the good intent of the heart. And the good intent of the heart are not automatic. They are the intent of the heart that he has obtained as a result of rejecting the evil intents that are in him. So Jesus says that behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no God. Now remember this is from Nathaniel's perspective. This is his first encounter with Jesus Christ. That's from Nathaniel's perspective. But Jesus is telling him that you are an Israelite indeed, and in you there is no guile. So now let's go. Nathaniel saith unto him, Where is knowest thou down me? See, now that is the question. Because if you are telling me this, then it seems as though we have met before. Hallelujah. And I'm sure from Nathaniel's point of view, he's just asking because, how do you know these things about me, right? But spiritually speaking, that is the state of one that is, wondering where he had met jesus before it is like what jesus said concerning the judgment that i'll tell you that i was hungry and you gave me food right i was thirsty and you gave me what and then they'll say that where did we meet you? i was in prison and you visited me i was without clothes and then you clothed me right then they will ask where did we meet you where did we meet you that we did this for you hallelujah so it's a certain state where the person does not seem to be aware of the presence of the Lord with him, but the Lord is present with him. Hallelujah. And it is when the outcome of his life begins to show that now he's aware that the Lord has been with him or her all this while. Hallelujah. So he's saying that, when's Noah's thou me? Now Jesus' answer then explains my point. Hallelujah! Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. So Jesus is showing Nathaniel where he saw him, and he says that it was before Philip called him, when he was under the fig tree. So now we have to consider the fig tree, right? Now, in the scriptures, there are three prominent trees. I've explained this to you, but let me go over. There are three prominent trees. The first tree is the olive tree. The second one is the vine, right? And then the third one is the fig. The olive tree produces the olive fruit, right? The vine produces the grapes from which they get the wine. And then the fig produces the fig. Hallelujah. All right, now the olive is what is used for anointing, right? The anointing oil, the oil that is gotten from the olive fruit. And it is because of what the olive tree represents. If the fig tree had represented what the olive represented, they would have used the fig fruits to do the anointing oil. Do you understand that? But it is because of what the olive tree represents. And the olive tree represents the highest heaven. Remember, there are three heavens, right? There's the highest heaven, there's the intermediate heaven, then there's the lowest heaven. The olive tree represents the highest heaven, and therefore, those that are of the highest heaven. The vine represents the intermediate heaven, and therefore, those that are of the intermediate heaven. And then the fig represents the lowest heaven, and therefore, those that are of the lowest heaven. The olive tree also represents love, because love is of the highest heaven. The vine represents wisdom because wisdom is of the intermediate heaven. And then the fig represents what? The natural life that is produced from the olive and then the vine, okay? All right, so now three things. Now,
1: again, the olive, represents ants. The vine
0: represents causes. And the fig represents effect. So it means that when you see a person, it is the fig that you see, right? When you see a person, it is the fig that you see. Hmm. But inside the fig is supposed to be the vine and then the olive. Does that make sense? Now, because of what the vine represents, that's why the presence of the Holy Spirit is described as the wine. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So the one that is drunk with wine is like the one that is filled with the spirit. So the wine is the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth, is equivalent to the wisdom of God and therefore forms the intermediate place. Now, when there is love in a person's heart, that love translates itself into wisdom. And when there is wisdom in a person's heart, that wisdom translates itself into action. The love in the heart is the olive, the wisdom is the vine, and the action that is produced out of the love and the wisdom is the fig. Now, this one that I've explained to you, the person must descend from spiritual things into action. Well, we are in this world, if you are spiritual, you must act, right? It is the actions that contain your spirituality. That's why there's no spirituality with a life that corresponds to it. You understand that? So with what I've described, it's like acting from top to bottom, acting from what is within you through your body. Is that okay? Now, when a person also must ascend, The first that the person must encounter is the fig. And in this case, the fig represents the natural life that we must live in obedience to God when we come into contact with the truth of God's word. In other words, when you hear doctrine, that doctrine we have learned here, you heard it in the natural because you heard it with your physical ears, right? Now, that natural hearing must lead you into a certain life, a certain life in obedience to God. Now, this life is the life that when you begin to live well, you are introduced into temptations. But in the time that you are introduced into temptation, the man that is in such a life and is struggling to apply himself to the word of God, remember this one, This fig where you are trying to ascend, there is in it some form of struggle because it's a battle against your own self. Is that okay? The initial fig that I described is a fig without struggle where because you have ascended, acting from spirituality outwardly is an easy thing because your heart is already inclined to the Lord. Now this other fig that I'm talking about is where the person is fighting through the word of God, to incline his heart to God. And in this case, there is some form of struggle, hallelujah. The Bible talks of Jesus Christ on the cross and says that my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And many people misinterpret this to mean that on the cross because of the sins of Jesus, the father could not look upon him. So he had to turn his face away from him, meaning that his wrath, was so strong that he had to forsake, right? It's a misunderstanding, okay? The argument here has to do with the one that is in temptation as a result of they applying themselves to the word of God they have heard in the natural. And the feeling that they are alone and without God in such application. It is like a struggle that you are left to yourself to struggle before you can find God. Hallelujah. And in that struggle, it seems as though God is far from you and God has turned himself away from you. Meanwhile, it is this same God that introduced to you his word. Hallelujah. And when his word came, it came with a certain impression on you that made you feel like God is with you in the journey. But in the thick of the fight, in the midst of the fight, it's as if God is not present and the man is left to struggle on his own. Now, if God is not present, then it means that all of God's system seems not to be present. It means that angelic influence seems not to be present. It means that what you could even hear to stir you up, you get it, it's missing. It's almost like they took you, right, and then dropped you into uh, Sahara Desert, and they gave you a knife. Right? And they say, we are going to wait for you. Yeah, where? Spain. This is Spain you get to. All right. So we are going to wait for you in Spain. So they dropped you in the desert of Libya. And they gave you a knife. Right? And one sachet of water. You must give you water. So <laughs> Right? And then
1: they said, we are going to wait for you. Where? In Spain. Wow. So you say like
0: in the desert, you really see that you're alone, but there are no trees to even see that living things are present. Right? You are alone. All right. And now remember, this is from the point of view of the one that is under the fig tree. It was from Nathaniel's point of view. And that is how we feel. Like for you, we are talking of a lot of things, mastery, right? striving for mastery, suffering, and all these things. And there's a lot of requirement on you to apply yourself to the Word of God in a certain way. And in it, it is not so straightforward for you. In it, it is not without struggle. So you are moving. At times, you are not sure of yourself. At times, you are not sure if you have moved. At times, you move and you discover that you have not moved and you beat yourself, right? Because you feel like, hey, maybe... Everybody is moving except me. Hallelujah. Do you feel that at times. at times? When you come here, you, you look at everybody and say, everybody is advancing except me. Not knowing that everybody is like you. See, everybody is like me. What do you think? Sometimes you shouldn't believe it when the enemy brings it to my life. Because even though it seems like it's true, it's not true. Like what will you do with the information that everybody is fine except, you, or everybody is advancing except? You? What will you do with that information? It will make
1: you then feel like of okay, You must despair, right? That's why you shouldn't believe it. That's why you shouldn't believe it. Hallelujah. Yeah.
0: So that feeling that like you are battling, and in some of these verses, it's like the battle in the desert. Actually, that's actually why it is called the life in the wilderness. The thing about the wilderness is not just the fact that it's a dry place, right? Even though the wilderness is a dry place, there's no water, there's no food, right? One thing that is very heartbreaking about the wilderness is it is very difficult to know whether where you are going or is where Spain is. You see, you are trying to go to Spain so you could go ah, and be back. <laughs> because it's difficult to find your bearing, it's difficult to find landmarks. You get everywhere is the same. Do you get it? And that's one of things that will make somebody despair in the desert. Because at times when you are in a difficult place and you know that this direction is, when I move in this direction, the trophy, the light is there. You understand? You are encouraged like steals on the ear the distant triumph song, right? Said, hearts are brave again and arms are strong. When you feel, but in in the desert, it's not like that. In the desert, there is no light at the end of any (laughs) tunnel. At least from your point of view, there's nothing like that. And that is how at times the Christian struggle can be in our attempt towards mastery. And that is why at times it is lonely. Hallelujah. So that's one thing that makes people despair in the desert. So when you look left, right, front, and back, they are all the same. So you don't have energy to move because you fear that the move that you are going to be a waste of, so you lie down, right, and you wait for death. Because if you go left, you are, where is left going to? If you go right, where is right going to? I tell You, you even think, you are going forward. It was the forward you saw. Maybe when you got up, like you saw forward, I like say you are going. But maybe something, something, sir. Now you are facing here. So your forward that you thought now you saw that you're going, you're <laughs> you rather going backwards. Hallelujah. And that's how the spiritual life can be the attempt to become spiritual can be at times. It can be like this desert experience. And that is what being under the fig represents. But it is called a fig in this case because then even though Nathaniel seems not to have known Jesus, who saw him when he was under the fig tree? And spiritual things, remember, to see is not just to see, it is to be with. Spiritual perception we understand spiritual perception of truth, that it is not just to know that the truth is there, but to be joined to the truth, do you understand that? So Jesus is saying that he saw him when he was under the fig tree, it means that he was with him when he was under the fig tree. Just that Nathaniel could not see. It is because Jesus was with him, that is why he could tell Nathaniel that he has been successful. And that indeed he is an Israelite of Israelites and in him is no gal. Even though Nathaniel felt like he was under the fig tree alone, the Lord was with him there. But those that are under the fig tree in such situations are not actually permitted by the
1: Lord to see that he's there. But he's there. He's there and he's sparing them on. Hallelujah. And that's what
0: I came to tell you that there's so much for us to become. And at times, it can be like traveling through the wilderness to Spain. You don't know left, you don't know right. You go out, then you discover that if you put something here, you go out, you discover, oh, the bottle I dropped here, that's what I've come to meet again. So it means that you have not gone anywhere. Do you understand that? And you go left, at times you are despairing, at times you are tired. you understand that? At times, you are not even sure if you are making progress. Hallelujah. But the Lord is saying that He's with you. And so, the key thing about being in the wilderness and trying to become spiritual, trying to ascend, is to not
1: give up. That's the key requirement. Hallelujah. That's the key requirement. That's the key requirement. One day, I
0: was meditating on the nature of the attempt to ascend. And then a picture that we normally see, right? It's a funny picture. The Lord brought that picture before me. I said, wow, this is it. It's that picture that this small boy has come back home, right? And then they've written that this is how legends return. It's like, now you see? Like,. And he's looking like, he's like like dirty all over. It's like this how legend. And that was a picture that came to. And the Lord said it's a muddy
1: experience. Hallelujah, it's a muddy experience. Have you been caught in the mud before?
0: <laughs> There's this video that the guy was trying to move and then he slipped and went and entered the gutter, the inside of the gutter. Have you seen that? Thing? Yeah, that's how moving in the mud is. Moving in the mud, if you don't move, you are safe, right? But when you attempt to move into safety, then pa, then you fall down, then you try to get up, then pass So By the time you finally claw your way out of the mud, you are a legend. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's a spiritual experience. So the key thing is that we don't give up. The key thing is that we keep moving. If we move and move and move and move and move and move and move and, move and find out that we are standing in the same place. How I many of you thought that you have made spiritual progress, but certain things inside your heart, when they came out, you realize that you didn't go anywhere. It hasn't happened to you before. Wow. The Lord is saying that he's with you in that. Hallelujah. The Lord is saying that He's with you in that. And this is one of the things that the Lord said unto Joshua that blessed me so much. See, and it was the time that Moses had made transition from himself to Joshua. And remember, Moses is the word that we must obey, right? But before the word can transition itself into Joshua, we must apply ourselves to it. Do you understand that? And because of that, Joshua represents the one that shared the promise and that divided the land to the people. So the word, which is Moses, holds the promise of the promised land. You understand that? Joshua means that we have now obtained the state that makes us able to access the inheritance that is in the promised land. You get it? And the Lord told Joshua that just as he was with Moses, you understand that? He shall be with him. In other words, it is the same word that instructs you to make your journey into the promised land. Is the same word that will also deliver to you the promised land. You understand that? And at times it may seem like, where is this word, right? But the Lord says that just as I was with Moses, I shall be with you. You know that song? Go, Amen, Papa. This is the song of the wilderness people. When they give you your knife and your sashi, what it say, go to Spain through the surroundings. This is your song because it's a hard route. Hallelujah. It's a hard road, but the Lord is there. And the Lord is saying that he's with you. In the same way that he was with Moses, he shall be with you. The same word that came to you that made you leave Egypt, the same word is with you. Even though you don't feel it, right? Even though the lack of results in your attempt to get to the promised land, which here was in the wilderness that they were in, Right? Remember when they left Egypt and crossed the Red Sea? I'm sure when they crossed the Red Sea, they thought that that was the promised land. And that's some of us, our experience. When we, are ah, blessed by the word of God. Wow, wow, this is it. We have decided we are living. So that living Egypt, which is a conscious decision to live your life in a certain way, right? That is the baptism in the Red Sea. The other side. So say, TC, TC, that's the sea and let oh. you remember that there are two seas and both of them the lord smoothed. the first one is the red sea the second one is the jordan and both of them the lord parted so that they could go through So yes, at sometimes we think that hey red sea means promised land right then we discover that there's a wilderness and remember i've shown you the wilderness there's no water. So say. Like, well, no water, it's not like you don't know the truth, but the life-giving aspect of the truth, which normally at times, you see how the Israelites, when Moses came, see, Moses did wonders and this, and they said, Charlie, we are going, we, we are going to heaven to enjoy. We are going. <laughs> so they started that. You see, that's how the journey is, when the word of God comes to your right? life, because God parts the curtains a bit and shows you the life, shows you what you can become, right? It's like how the rugby is. You know rugby or American football. The end is that you cross the line, right? But the people that will be trying to stop you, that's the idea. So we see
1: the promised land, right? Wow. So they are living. They are living. They are living. Then they saw Pharaoh pursue.
0: So we are dead. Remember how they left. When they were living, this was the feeling. The Lord smote the firstborn sons of Egypt, including that of Pharaoh, right? And then the Egyptians came and said, take, like, take our silver, take our, go. We are going now, right? Then they saw Pharaoh, and said, hey, we are dead. Then Moses parted the sea. Then they went through. I'm sure when Pharaoh fell, they said, this is the enemy we have known. This is our enemy we have known. Pharaoh, we are done. Not knowing that the wilderness is there. Not knowing that the wilderness is there. But we see what the word of God promises us. And our eyes are opened a bit to the glory of it. But the problem is that we do not realize that it is through tribulation that we enter the kingdom of God. And we must keep pushing. Never giving up. Keep pushing even when it seems like the Lord is not there. Some of us, when we can't feel the Lord, it's a sign that we must give up. Like Jesus said, said, my God, my God, why has that forsaken me? He hey, please! Centurion, whatever, please, remove the... <laughs> like I could sense my God with me, as you are whipping me and all that. So I knew that I was not alone, right? That's why when he came to arrest me and they cut one of you, I said, hey, please, let's put the ear back. Let's be, God is. But as I can now sense that, <laughs> God is not with me, please. Or if you even call them to bring him down from the cross. He now, nah, you but I realize, have you worked the, the nails are coming out. The nails, Jesus said, no, I won't do it again. Because my father, <laughs> my God, my God is not with me. That's how that's how we feel like. So in the midst of temptations and struggle, when we don't sense God, it is a sign to us that this is the time where we down
1: tools. Right? But it's also a sign that you are at the brink. Because just when you win the battle, this is the feeling that you have. Just when. Like, I was listening to you the story of somebody who went to Spain through Libya. So they went through the
0: Libya. There's, I think now where they go to, is there, you have to still cross a sea before you get to Spain. right? So like, that was it, right? Like now they enter this, and they said they see, they put in the boat, and there's a, is there a compass, something. And the one that is driving is just going. So <laughs> it means that you could just go and enter the proper big sea, right? So
1: they said one person, the person was carrying a child. Then the person threw the child into the water.
0: And then one person just, then jumped into the water. (laughs) You see, but we are close to Spain, do you understand? So like, hold yourself down, right? Yeah, but that time, that season is difficult. And normally in temptation, we sense it. When we stay our ground, sometimes you may come saying, ah, when I came to church, the word of God that was shared, right, benefited me. So now I, I was inspired. It's like I was going down and the word, like, right, benefit. So it's, like, it's almost like, now every Sunday, every Thursday, God is saying something that will bless you, right? Wow. I have people that tell me that. I'm encouraged by it. But I also know that that's not the real battle. Do you see? Remember, in the battle, the perception is that you are alone. It means that God's support system, it will appear to you that it does not exist. Do you get it? So when you are in the thick of the struggle, where you say, my God, my God, why has that forsaken you? It means that when you come to church, what I preach will not benefit you. What your brother will share will not benefit you. What we pray about on Thursday will not benefit you. That's why you say, I'm dry, right? Yeah, that's the real one. That is where you also now feel like, my God, my God, right? Why has thou forsaken me? At that point, you are at a place where it is only the Lord that can pick you up. Now, that's where it is only the spiritual truth. eh? It's only the spiritual truth that can save you. But before the spiritual truth comes, okay, so it's like you battle to the point where the external knowledge of truth is not enough. You get it? That's almost at the end of the desert. And that's when you begin to cry out for the spiritual revelation of truth. Because that's what will benefit you. And as you cry out, there's something that Jesus also
1: tells you. And that is that, he saw you, which means he was with you when you were under
0: the victory. Hallelujah. And that is a comfort. This comfort will not be a comfort that you will have by revelation when you need it. It is only a comfort you must know in your external knowledge. In other words, as I've shared this with you, in the times that you need to feel that the Lord is with you, that you are not feeling that way because you are in the wilderness. This word will not be to you a spiritual revelation inside you. That means, ah, I know within that the Lord is with me, right? No, it will only be something you must have in your memory. That you have to remind yourself that even though I do not feel this way, the Lord is with me. Even though I do not feel this way, there is a purpose in this struggle. Even though I feel like the enemy, will overwhelm me as I try to stand for the truth. God is still with me. The time that you feel emboldened and strengthened by the Lord is the time that the battle is over. Hallelujah. But there must be the comfort that comes to us in that knowledge that God is with us, even though we cannot sense Him. Hallelujah. And that is what Jesus was trying to point out to Nathaniel. And this is very important. Otherwise, we'll jump into the sea when we are almost in Spain. Do you see? We will give up, fall down in the wilderness and wait for death because we don't know whether going to the right, going to the left, going forward or going backwards will bring deliverance to us. Anybody, that is striving for mastery, must master experience this from time to time. In other words, this is the path into the promised land. There is a wilderness. So you go through the wilderness so that you will enter the promised land. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So then we don't give up because of the dryness. That's what I mean. I've been trying to pray have been trying to preach. When the enemy is going to tempt you, there are preliminary things that he throws at you. I've been trying to pray, but I can't pray. I've been trying to say the word of God, but I can't study the word of God. So now you are coming down, right? Then the temptations become strong. Hallelujah. So when you can't pray, you force yourself to get some prayer. Because when you have malaria, you get his enemy. They say eat so that you can take your medicine, then you'll be well. But you can't eat, right? But we say, Charlie, just put the food inside your mouth and swallow. Put it inside your mouth. It's like first feeding a dog. This one I was first feeding one of my puppies. the in mama, know what to say? The dog wants to do it but right? the only option is to swallow. Is <laughs> to swallow the thing, right? Yeah. So you feel. Like Like, no, on a normal time, when you have not even tried to pray, it is the Lord that draws you into your closet. You wake up with a song. You feel moved, and then you you just do that, and then God takes over. But when in the wilderness, when you try to pray, there's nothing. You just want to sense small God so that you'll be encouraged to continue, but you can't sense anything but you pray. The other side, you go into the word anyway. That's you dragging yourself because these things are what will keep you when the enemy drops the final bomb because the bomb is coming. Hallelujah. Yeah. And in all of this, it will be as though you were alone. But the Lord says that when you
1: were under the victory, he was with you. Amen. Now let's go. Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, Ooh,
0: right, now Nathaniel's eyes, belly. <laughs> Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Now this declaration is the declaration of one who has been admitted into spiritual things because of what they have been through in the wilderness. Is that okay? And Jesus will explain. Let's go. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believers thou? Hmm. Do you believe because I said I saw you when you were under the fig tree? Making reference to the initial struggle. Please you understand that? And the fact that the struggle is over. Now look at that. Thou shalt see what? Greater things than this. Now remember who this is being promised to. It is Nathaniel. And the greater things that are available to the one who is approved spiritually because they have gone through the wilderness
1: appropriately. Jesus said, saying you will see greater things than this. Hallelujah. Wow. Let's go. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter, you shall see heaven what? Open.
0: This is what is waiting in. Spain is waiting. Hallelujah. What do you think? It will be mine so. Hereafter, you shall see heaven open. Now, you know, heaven is not just that we enter there, but the spiritual awareness that we have been looking for, that sent us into the wilderness, that brought us under the fig tree in the first place.
1: Heaven is the vine and the olive that we are looking for. Hallelujah. Heaven is the vine and the olive that we are looking for. Hallelujah. You shall see heaven open and the angels
0: of God doing what? Ascending and what? Descending upon the son of man. Son of man is the Lord according to what? The Lord according to the word. Now look at what Jesus is saying. Say hereafter, ye shall see heaven what? Open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Ascending. Now ascending is to become spiritual. Is that okay? Descending is to act from spirituality. You understand? But this has to do with the Word of God. And Jesus is describing the spiritual experience that Nathaniel is representing here. That there is the ascending, which is to actually discover the spiritual depth of the Word of God, and then the descending, which is to act from those spiritual depths. It's like this. You see how that when you take the word of God in the letter, you can't see anything but the letter. But the spirit is inside it all. Do you understand that? The process of the fig tree brings us into that which is inside the word. Do you understand that? So that we perceive the spirit. That is what it means to ascend. That's what it means to ascend upon the word. Do you understand that? Now, when we get into the spirit, Now, you still see the word of God, but its interpretation is from the spiritual light that now you can see. Before, the word of God was external to you. Through the fig tree, you migrate into the spiritual content of the word of God. That's when heaven is open to you, right? Then now, the same word which is before you, heaven descends
1: upon it before the word was opaque, right? So now you make your journey
0: into the spiritual discovery of the word. That's what it means to ascend. Now, when you have ascended, the word is no more opaque. It is translucent. Light now shines out of the word towards you. Do you understand that? And that is what it means for heaven to descend upon the Son of Man. That's what it means for the angels to descend upon the Son of Man. And this is what Jesus is saying Will happen to Nathaniel. So the awareness that the Lord has been with you through your deliverance is not the end of it. But the spiritual discoveries that await you. And Jesus said, These are the greater things. In other words, when you were under the fig tree, I was with you. But now I shall be with you in a greater way. Hallelujah. And that is the spiritual experiences that awaits the one that has overcome the wilderness. It is like going through the wilderness with Moses and now appropriating the inheritance in Canaan unto yourself through the ministry of Joshua. But the key thing here is that the Lord was with you
1: and he saw you when you were under the fig tree. Say after me, the Lord sees my struggle.
0: The Lord sees my efforts. And he's with me in those efforts.
1: The Lord sees my struggle. And he's with me in the struggle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very important. Otherwise, the enemy will present to you a document that tells you that give up.
0: There's no hope for you. You have sunk too deep. You have gone too far. You have taken
1: too much evils upon yourself. And these evils, they will be with you for the rest of your life. You don't give up. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. 17, 18, and 19. And this is the word of God unto us. It says that although the fig tree shall not blossom.
0: Amen. Now, it means that all the things that must happen are not happening. You understand that? So you must take the fig tree terms of overcoming and applying yourself, and you are not seeing the fruit. You understand? And you see, the
1: fig tree is an interesting tree anyway. The fruit comes almost without flowers. Do you see?
0: Normal is the flower comes, wow, then the fruit. You understand? But the fig tree is not like that. The grapes and those things, they are like that. You see, every tree that the flowers come before the fruit, it speaks of fruits that are being born from heaven. Because the flower represents the flowery things of heaven, the joyous things that we celebrate. Do you understand that? So when we bear fruit with flowers before the fruit comes, okay, it means that this fruit that we are bearing, we are bringing it forth with joy. So it's not with struggle. It means that we have been transformed. And out of that transformation, we are bearing fruit. Please understand that. Uh-huh. But the fig is like there is no flower, or as there should be flower, then the fruit comes.
1: Hallelujah. What do you think? Yeah. And it's also like that with the leaves.
0: That's why when Jesus saw the fig with the leaves without the fruit, he cursed it. Because that is one that is not being transformed, but is covering himself. Would falsify truth. Do you see what leaves did Adam and Eve use to cover themselves? It was a fig leaf, right? Yeah. So let's go. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, it must blossom, but it's not blossoming. How many of us at times feel like our fig tree is not blossoming? Wow. Neither shall the fruits be in the vines. (laughs) no fruit in the vine, right? The labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no head in the store. That's spiritual bankruptcy. The next verse. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my heart, salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. Hallelujah. And this is supposed to be the mentality of the one that is in the wilderness. You don't see the fig. You don't see the grape. You don't see the olive. But the Lord God is your strength. And the Lord is with you. Hallelujah. And eventually, the Lord will tell you that
1: an Israelite indeed, in whom is no God. In whom is no God. I pray
0: that we shall have this testimony because we did not give up. I pray that the enemy will not cause us to despair, telling us that it is impossible to come unto mastery, to come unto maturity. It is impossible to become spiritual, and that these things that we talk about are fallacies that cannot be experienced by any man. And it is because you see yourself in the wilderness where there is no light,
1: there is no food, there is no water, there is no direction seemingly. And the Lord says that he's with you. And the psalmist says that in a dry and weary land where there is no water, and my
0: soul is what searching for you. Have you seen that scripture before? It's a song in a dry and weary land where is no water.
1: Wow. My tune is different from your tune. My soul is searching for you. I have seen you in your sanctuary.
0: Behold your power and glory, my lips. O oh God, thou art my God. Early will I see my soul tested for thee. My flesh longed for thee in a dry and testy land where no water is. To see what? Thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the what?
1: Sanctuary was the sanctuary? You know, the sanctuary is the word of God, right? Yeah. So look at the scripture again. Let's go. Verse 1. O God, thou art
0: my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul tested for thee. My flesh longed for thee. In a dry and testy land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the word sanctuary. So it is the word that promised this, right? And that is what we are searching after. And we are testing after. And we are not giving up. Hallelujah. And when you are about hitting gold, it will be as though you are lost. But you are almost there. So you keep fighting.
1: You keep pushing. And when the morning comes, when the morning comes, you see that there has been
0: a transformation. You, see that you have gained the Lord in a way that is greater than what you thought you were even going to have. May the Lord help us so that we keep striving for mastery. So we we'll know what the enemy is doing when he's trying to get us to stop pushing for mastery. You've seen our evils against us. You've seen our mistakes against us. You've seen our past against us using anything that he can use against us the key thing is to be relentless and to keep pushing to keep pushing if you find that you are lost it is not a sign that you should sit there and camp in your lostness it is a sign to begin to look for your bearing and to begin to keep going because the lord
1: is with you hallelujah the lord is with you